Good morning to you. Before we do our scripture reading for this morning, I would just particularly like to thank those who were available to help with the painting of the uh, fence for the kids' playground area. Uh, quite a number of people came out over a number of different days and it was a good time of fellowship, but it was wonderful to get those fences painted. So thank you to those who made themselves available. And I, I think that over the next uh, week or two, uh, there will be little things happening here. Uh, Graham told us just the other day that next Friday we're going to start having access. So, so some things are going to be starting to be moved over. Small to start with. And then at the working bees, obviously, a lot more. But uh, just keep checking with the office and they will make you available, they will make you aware if you can help out in any small ways. Um, as cupboards or cabinets are finished, so they need to be stocked up, ready for our big changeover. So just keep yourself aware, and if you're a retiree and you don't have to go nine to five, you may be able to find yourself a job here. All right, let's read our scripture for this morning. Matthew chapter 10. And I'm going to read verses 16 to 26. And these are the words of our Lord Jesus. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. I tell you the truth. You will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will, be, will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. Not easy words, are they? Not easy words. 
Today begins the first in a series of messages with the theme of apologetics. Every fourth Sunday of the month in year 2020, the message will be focused on apologetics. And so as we, can, as we begin this series, there's an important question that we need to ask, and that is, what is Christian apologetics? Of course, everybody here knows what a Christian apologetics is, don't you? Yes, yes, you all know it. What is Christian apologetics? Well, just to give you a little bit of an insight, Dr. Paul Coulter of the Belfast Bible College has defined Christian apologetics as this, the task of developing and sharing a logical, reasoned case for the truth and rationality of Christianity against the falsehood and irrationality of alternatives with the aim of strengthening the faith of believers and provoking non-believers to consider Christ. It's basically giving answer for the faith we hold in a way that others will want to know more about Jesus. To answer all of it very simply, Christian apologetics is a written or verbal defense of Christianity against any and all reasonable objections. Now I'm sure as you look at Australia today, we come to the conclusion that we need to understand Christian apologetics more than ever before in Australia's history. There is more opposition to the gospel now than at any other time in our history. And we need to be ready to give answer for our faith. Over the centuries, Christian apologists have taken many has taken sorry Christian apologetics has taken many different forms starting with the apostle Paul in the early church he was an apologist and then the early church writers such as Origen Augustine of Hippo Justin Martyr and Tertullian they were all Christian apologists in more modern times, Christianity has been defended through the efforts of authors like G.K. Chesterton and C.S. Lewis. You've known a few of them, right? And today, today, 2020, Christianity is defended through the works of people like Ravi Zacharias, John Lennox, Lee Strobel, Alvin Platinia, Hugh Ross, James White, and William Lane Craig. Have any of you read some of his writing, some of their writings? Yes, a few of you are putting your hands up. Ultimately, the worth and value of apologetics is to enable us to give answer for our faith 
as we seek to enable seekers and doubters to get over the pseudo-intellectual barriers that keep them from embracing faith in the Lord Jesus. You know, one of the things today is that you, you're being told by the world, particularly here in Australia, that everything is legitimate. Everything is now being normalised. Basically, they've lowered the bar of social cohesion. They've lowered the bar of moral um, correctness. They've lowered it so low that anybody can get over it. They've brought the bar that has enabled the world to grow and develop over many centuries. They've lowered it so low that anything and everything is acceptable. We can now kill off our elderly. We can now kill off our babies because it doesn't fit in with the coffee hour that we have with our friends. We can now go and send our sons and our daughters down to certain parts of the city where they can have their sexual frustrations uh, satisfied through prostitution. It's all okay now. And of course, you can be a Christian and be any of these things. You can be a Christian and be a, uh, a, a prostitute. Did you know that? The bar has been lowered so much, anything and everything is acceptable. So they say. I don't know that anyone's actually asked God about that. Christian apologetics, however, is an attempt to raise the bar to what God is saying. And instead of bringing God down to people's level, Christian apologetics is the attempt to let people know what God requires of us. Raising humanity to what is acceptable to God. Apologetics can take a number of forms from intellectual and philosophical argument to simply weighing up the historical evidences. Personally, as a young man on a faith journey, I appreciated reading Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDale. That was fairly influential in my early journey. And that was looking at a lot of the historical stuff and putting it into cultural context. And as we engage in this exercise of explaining to others the truth and worth of the gospel, we must not let the work of apologetics distract us from the power of the apologetic embedded in the message itself. That is, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That's the real apologetic. That's the real historical data. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God's love, forgiveness and willingness to be Lord of our lives is the greatest apologetic of all. And it speaks to the deepest needs of every human heart.
And having said all this, Christian apologetics is not a purely academic exercise for the sake of academia. Above all else, it is a practical engagement with the real people who are facing real problems. And we've got no shortage of those in Australia today. People with real problems. And they are looking for real answers. They're not looking for platitudes. And they're not looking for, oh, it's all right, stroke, stroke, stroke. I'll comfort your feelings. That doesn't solve the problem. As with all arguments, there are two perspectives we can put forward. The first is a positive case for Christianity, which may involve defending Christianity against false accusations and arguing for the truth of Christianity on the basis that it fulfills so much of the Old Testament history and prophecy. Let me ask you a question. Every time that you celebrate Holy Communion, do you think that you're a cannibal? Do you think that you're actually eating uh, human flesh and drinking human blood? Of course not. It's an act of remembrance. And when Jesus instituted it, he was alive. He wasn't cutting off bits of his own flesh and giving it to his disciples. He gave them bread and wine from the table. He used it as a picture. And yet there are those who say that we're cannibals because we eat human flesh and drink human blood. Christian apologetics is correcting that incorrect notion. And in so doing, allowing people to have a deeper understanding of really what Jesus was saying. The second, um, the second case for Christianity is the negative case against alternative philosophies and belief systems, both traditional and modern. And with all this, the ultimate aim of Christian apologetics is not to develop a clever argument, but to enable people to come to a vital, living, and personal faith in God, and to be strengthened and to grow in their faith. So, how are we to engage in meaningful Christian apologetics today? Well, I believe we can find the answer to this question in the words of the Lord Jesus himself as recorded in Matthew 10, verse 16. We read it. I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. We like reading that, don't we? But do we really understand what it's saying? So let's just look at it. What did the Lord Jesus mean 
by these words, as sheep in the midst of wolves. Firstly, when the Lord Jesus sent out his disciples to teach and preach God's good news, he prepared them not to be surprised when they encountered various troubles, trials and opposition. We should not be disturbed by the fact that people ridicule us as Christians. Jesus prepared us for that. He compared his disciples to sheep because they were meek, innocent, harmless, inoffensive and humble in their lives and conversation. And that's what we should be as well. Likewise, Jesus likened the oppressors and persecutors to wolves because they would be fierce, furious, cruel and hurtful just like hungry wolves. And to be left exposed and defenseless as sheep to wolves would have been startling enough. But that the sheep, the disciples of the Lord Jesus, were being sent out among the wolves was truly strange indeed to the hearers. Have you ever realized that before? Jesus is sending us out as sheep into the midst of wolves. A shepherd doesn't do that. A shepherd does not deliberately expose his sheep to the dangers of the wolves. But that's what Jesus has told us to do. Because we've got a job to do. And that is to share our faith. Our faith as believers is not a private and personal thing. Our faith is to be public. We are being called to give answer for the faith that we hold in our Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus knew that in commissioning all believers to share and give answer for their faith, he was sending them out, sending us out as weak and defenseless into an unfriendly, wicked and cruel world to face much opposition and persecution. And in similar passages, the Lord Jesus forewarned us to expect to be hated, despised, criticized, persecuted and delivered into the hands of public justice and punished as evildoers. And if you want some references there, Matthew 24, 9, Mark 13, 13, Luke 21, 17, John 15, 18, just to mention a few. Brothers and sisters, make no mistake, when we stand for the good news in the, of God in the Lord Jesus, we must prepare ourselves for whatever comes and even expect to face persecution in whatever form it may reveal itself. As such, we are to be mindful to avoid those things that give advantage to our enemies, to his enemies. That is, compromise with the world's ways in order to find favour. 
We don't compromise our faith. Many years ago, I had a friend. His name was John. And he was a young Christian man. And he sensed the call of God to share his faith, and particularly with people in the pubs. As they sat on the bar, with their elbow resting on the bar, drinking their beer. That was his sense of call. So he went into the pubs and tried to strike up conversations with these, uh, with these men. What do you think the result was while he drank his, um, his lemon squash? Exactly right. They told him to get lost. They ignored him. They would have nothing to do with him. They were drinking beer. He was drinking lemon squash. And it really disturbed him. Really disturbed him. Why won't they listen to me? Then it dawned on him. Okay, I need to have a beer as well. So he got a beer. Today he's not in the church. But he drinks his beer. He lost sight of what he was doing. He lost sight of the reason why he was there. He wanted more acceptance, personal acceptance, than he did to be a witness for Jesus. Do not compromise with the world's ways in order to find favour. Do not compromise in how people see you. Do not compromise with all appearances of evil or selfishness and all aspects of deceit and corruption. Just because everybody at work is corrupt, don't compromise in order to have a witness to those people. Stand your ground. Dare to be different. And if you cop flack for it, if you cop criticism, then you do so for the sake of Christ and rejoice in that. This is part of what it means to count the cost of being Christ's disciples. Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Are we on the right? Yes, that is the right one. My notes are just slightly different. Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. In view of these potential dangerous circumstances, the Lord Jesus commands us to combine prudence with uprightness, to shun every impropriety, and to refrain from doing anything of a questionable nature. The Lord's statements to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves seems to be a contradiction of expressions. Because the serpent or snake is a very cunning and artful creature. And it uses various techniques for its own preservation, especially of its head. It looks after its head. At times it will retreat. At other times it will seek concealment. 
At other times, it will have a defensive posture. In its wisdom, it preserves its head. And the Lord Jesus used the serpent to illustrate how we also should employ all proper methods to preserve ourselves and not expose ourselves to unnecessary dangers. As much as we are able, we should be careful to give no just occasion or offence or to irritate and provoke opposition. Likewise, we are to avoid all snares and traps that are laid for us while maintaining the innocence and harmlessness of the dove. In being as harmless as doves, we're called upon to do no one any harm or injury and to bear no one any ill will. As a dove, we are to be free from all wickedness, all cunning and craftiness, not meditating and seeking revenge, but in meekness and humility, where to lead inoffensive lives while proceeding in the course of our calling in Christ Jesus. It seems we have to hold the two in a loving tension. In essence, as disciples of Christ Jesus, we must think more on how to do well than how to speak well. And when we witness for the Lord and give answer for our faith, we're urged to be wise as serpents, with the focus being on wise, on wisdom. That means being prudent in our words, prudent in our behaviour, so as not to irritate those who oppose the Lord. And having said this, in being as harmless or as gentle as doves, in our simple honesty and sincerity, we're to be careful that our prudence does not degenerate into compromise and be seen to condone inappropriate attitudes and behaviours. Instead, we are to maintain at all times a holy simplicity and let our behaviours be inoffensive such that others will see us as people of integrity in the midst of the greatest temptations and meek in the midst of the greatest provocations. So from these two examples, we learn the lesson of the importance of prudence and calm discretion as far as it is consistent with purity and innocence. So... Why has the Lord Jesus called us to be like sheep, serpents and doves? Why did the Lord Jesus use these illustrations, these images, to teach us some valuable lessons? And what do we learn from these illustrations that enables us in our service for the Lord? 
And the Lord Jesus sends us into a harsh and hostile world to bear witness for him. He does not send us out as forceful, dominant and strong, but as weak and defenceless in ourselves. Is this also not the lesson of the incarnation? When God manifested his presence with us in the person of the Lord Jesus as a baby in Bethlehem. He did not come in might and power, but he came in weakness and innocence. And there is our example for today as well. When the Lord Jesus said that he is sending us out as sheep in the midst of wolves, he meant that we should expect to be treated the way that wolves treat sheep. So yes, we are to go among wolves and be vulnerable as we teach and preach the gospel. But when they lunge at us, we are to be wise enough to step aside and not give them any legitimate reason to accuse us of injustice or immorality. I grieve, I grieve terribly over the past few decades the way in which the church has really betrayed itself. It is given to the world the ammunition that the world has been seeking to accuse the church. The way that men and women have abused their calling in Christ and abused particularly children. I grieve that. And they should have known better. They have no defence. And we now have the job for the for the generations ahead, to rebuild our credibility to be moral agents in the world into which our children are growing. To set an example, to raise the bar and to be the people that God has called us to be. So the snake intelligence and the dove innocence are both designed to keep the sheep, us, out of trouble. So at all times, we are to keep our reputations clean and above reproach. Raise the bar. Brothers and sisters, what are the lessons for us to learn today? Make no mistake, the Lord Jesus is calling us to be both aware and wise. The Christian life is not easy or comfortable. We were never promised that. Of first importance, we cannot successfully accomplish it in our own strength. We need to be right with the Lord every day. Every single day. And the Lord needs to go before us rather than just being a passenger with us. We need 
the constant abiding, equipping, and empowering of the Lord in our life. Hence the importance of a vital prayer relationship with Him. True apologetics is grounded in true prayerfulness. And with the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the Christian life becomes a doable deal. A life worth living and a life worth sharing with others. In fact, it is a life that has no equal. And I, for one, would not want to go back to the life I had before Christ. In all our relationships and interactions with others, it's important that we also work to earn the right and the privilege to share our faith and give answer for what we believe. In this way, and only in this way, is God glorified and honoured and we fulfil his commands in our lives. It's not easy, but we don't do it in our own strength. We do it in the strength of the one who has called us to this life. Let me pray.